Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Oh, kia ora koutou. it's great to be with you again today. Most of you probably would have heard the story of Rosa Parks, an African-American woman who on 1st of December 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, rejected bus driver James F. Blake's order to vacate a row of four seats in the coloured section in favour of a white passenger. Her act of defiance ignited the civil rights movement sparking a wave of protests and bringing the issue of racial segregation to the forefront of national consciousness in the USA and ultimately around the world. One person's refusal to accept injustice resonated with countless others, leading to significant social change that shaped the cultural landscape and the cultural attitudes of many countries to this day. The story is well remembered because of the change that it brought about. Of course, pretty much all of us know of Nelson Mandela, who was a South African political activist who spent over 20 years in prison for his opposition to the apartheid regime in South Africa. Released from prison in 1990, Mandela was elected the first leader of a democratic South Africa in 1994. He was also awarded the Nobel Peace Prize jointly with F.W. de Klerk for his work in helping to end racial segregation and is considered the father of a democratic South Africa, widely admired for his ability to bring together a nation that was previously divided by apartheid. Nelson Mandela is one of the most admired political leaders of the 20th and the 21st century for his vision to forgive and to then forge a new, what is known as a rainbow nation. The ripples of the effects of both Rosa Parks and Nelson Mandela continue to reverberate around the world. And of course, we could talk about a long list of individual people who have changed or who have shaped or in fact, who have damaged the world. In significant ways over the course of history, in our day today, we could also name many people in that sort of vein. As we come to the next section of our journey through the book of Romans in the Bible, we come to chapter 5, verses 12 to 21, where the author, the Apostle Paul, provides some context as to why all the big themes that he identified in verses 1 to 11 are indeed possible. You might remember, if you were with us, that last week I talked about one of the big effects of knowing what Christ has done for us, the effect of peace. The ability to find the kind of peace in our heart that passes human understanding. Paul said in verses 1 to 2 of chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. In true Paul fashion, which we're coming to learn involves plenty of repetition and emphasis to make really sure that his audience understands what he's writing about, these following verses that we're looking at today provide another framework, another 
argument where he's describing just how we can know that what he has said is possible. Verses 12 to 21 are written in an interesting linguistic style where he's building his big point again through saying the same thing several times over in different ways. These verses only refer to two people, but by their actions, these two people bring all of us into their stories. Let's read through Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 21, which I'll break into several parts for effect. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Now, some people would call this sin original sin. It's going back to Adam. This reference goes back to the, the creation narratives in the Garden of Eden, where sin in, enters the world through Adam and Eve's decision to think that they knew better than God. Paul is asserting that since that time, all of us have wanted the same thing. We're, we're all guilty of wanting to make our own decisions or to kind of do life without reference to God. Let's be honest, that's as true for me as it is true for you. All people have this tendency. Paul then expands on that. Verse 13, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam who is a pattern of the one to come. He then goes on to what happened to fix this. <laughs> Verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Well, we're then taken back through repetition to the original story. Verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And just to make sure we get the point, verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all. All people. Do you understand what's going on? Well, just to be sure, Paul continues in verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we could perhaps summarize this passage in a few less words. 
one person, Adam, through one act, brought death to all people. But one person, Jesus, through one act, his crucifixion, saves us from that death and gives us life and life in all its fullness, both now and forevermore. The ripple effects of one person come to the fore in what Paul is writing. Just one person wrecked so much havoc for humanity to this day, but just one person was able to usurp all of that carnage and provide something infinitely more powerful and valuable to those who choose to embrace what's on offer. Paul is again spelling out the benefit of accepting what Jesus Christ has done for all people. The ability to receive grace, which is undeserved favor, that will reign in our lives through righteousness and be made right with God, that brings eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of good news for all people. It's a strong part of Paul's whole letter. Now, there's a story that we read in the gospel that we perhaps underestimate its significance. It's briefly touched on in Matthew 27, 38 and Mark 15, 27, but its widest description is in Luke 23, 32 to 43. It's the story of one of the people who were crucified next to Jesus. Two people, they're both described as being criminals who were being put to death for their crimes. I mean, capital punishment was alive and well. After being sneered at, mocked at, and insulted by a lot of people, verse 40 recounts the comments that one of the criminals says to the other. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but, but this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this story is powerful because we don't know the name of the criminal. We don't know anything else about him. We only see him for a few minutes, just one scene. Presumably, he's lived his entire life in opposition to God. And yet, in his near-to-death experience, upon recognizing Jesus as the Son of God, he's offered grace and the promise of eternity in all of its fullness. I mean, he wasn't even baptized. He didn't tithe. He didn't serve in the church. He probably hadn't even read the scriptures. And yet the story is so profound. He demonstrates everything that Paul has been saying in the letter to the Romans so far. He's kind of living out, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The grace of God through Jesus Christ is offered to you through faith alone. I love how Paul emphasizes the one. In verses 12 to 21. And how the Bible is so full of so many other people whose individual lives show the power of transformation through the power of God to, to bring forgiveness, healing, peace, reconciliation, to bring purpose, to bring hope for this world and for all of eternity. The power of God that transformed a criminal's life right before he was killed for his crimes 
the same power that can transform our lives, who through our sin, like Adam's, suffer the same fate unless we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The story of one unnamed criminal is so powerful because of what it means for us, for everybody in our world today. I also wonder if we sometimes underestimate the ripple effect that just one story can have. The ripple effect that our story can have. We might not be Rosa Parks or Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa. There was only one Billy Graham. And we might not have the profile that a preacher such as Timothy Keller had. But each one of us has a story to tell. And each one of us has the ability to influence someone or some two, or some three, by the way that we live out what we've been learning through the first five chapters of Romans. Today at our gathered service at our Myringi Bay campus, we are seeing eight people getting baptized. Eight people who will go underwater and be raised again in front of hundreds of people, just as Jesus modeled to us with his own baptism. It's a, an obedient step of faith. Eight people who will declare their faith in Jesus has changed their life and that they want to follow him. Eight people who are committing themselves to following what Jesus said, what the Spirit is saying to them and committing themselves to being part of his church, to, to do life and faith together with others. That's why well, we do it publicly. It's a public Confession of our faith. Eight people who will tell something of their story in front of a bunch of others. You know, it's not a rule that people need to tell their story when they get baptized. We don't see that in the Bible, but we do encourage it. It's actually one of the few times in life that people seem willing to do so. And in a way, that's kind of stink. <laughs> we need to tell our stories more. Verse 19 of Romans chapter 5 sums up the section that we've been looking at. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, that's us, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous, will be made right before God. One story, one life can influence so many people either negatively in the case of Adam or powerfully positively in the case of Jesus, the new Adam. So I don't underestimate the power of the eight stories to influence at least one life. The question to ask ourselves is this. What is our life reflecting and what story are we telling? If we claim to have embraced the way, which means following the way of Jesus, as it's often described in the book of Acts. How does our life tell that story? And how do we tell it? Predominantly through what I call the three A's. Audibly, what are our words saying? Actions, how we live. And through our attitudes, what's going on inside of us that works its way out? The question of what our life is reflecting is a question that we can only answer for ourselves. But know this, your life has influence. My life has influence. What we believe and 
how we allow it to shape us is on display for the world to see, either positively or sometimes negatively. A few years ago at one of our services at our campus here at Myrangi Bay, one of our, our team bought this uh, box, built this box, in fact. And over a few weeks, we asked people to write on cards the names of people they were praying for, who we hoped might hear the good news of the gospel someday through us. You see on the top, we put names on cards. We found this box the other day as we were cleaning out a room, and it reminded me of the friend whose name I wrote and placed in this box. It's still there. <laughs> At the time, he just shifted to Japan. And I thought, how was I going to influence him so that he might see Jesus in me? And since then, I've often thought of him. As I, wrote, as I write posts on social media, I wonder what he might learn about me and what's important in my life. I've messaged him a lot to say that I'm thinking of him and praying for him. We have a great relationship. I'm constantly thinking of ways in which my life and my faith might have a positive influence on him. To those of you who are Christians, your life has influence. Let the Spirit of God keep shaping your lives. Don't be ashamed to tell your story. And keep praying that you have the wisdom to be able to share what, what we say changes everything. This is what Paul was writing to the church in Rome. <laughs> and this is what he still writes to the church of our time. We have influence. We have been influenced. Let our influence shine. And might we know that one life is all it takes to be those who share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul keeps repeatedly drumming into our hearts. Let's pray. Father, as we continue through the book of Romans, we are hit time and time again with similar messages told in different ways. It's good news. And in this particular passage, Paul goes back to the creation narratives, the Garden of Eden, talks about Adam and ultimately Eve as well, and how they sought to live life without reference to you, their creator. And, and in that place, sin or selfishness, our desire to live our life without you, entered the world and has been part of humanity ever since. But Father, you always had a plan. You always had a way out of that for us. And that's Jesus Christ. You loved us so much, you sent your own son into our world so that Jesus Christ might, might live a life that, that shows that you are powerful. He lived a life in obedience to you and then took the punishment for our inability to do that to the cross. And we are so grateful for that. And Father, so many of us have stories of how you have impacted our lives, stories of when you came in and, and changed us in the power of your spirit. And Father, I would just pray that we would understand that each one of us has a story to tell. We've all been influenced in some way by you. It doesn't mean we're perfect and it doesn't mean that life's going to be amazing all the time, but it just means that you are with us and that is worth sharing. So I pray that we would recognize that we have importance to you. We are of value to you. If we are breathing in this world, we, we have a story to tell. Help us to have the confidence to share it through our words, through our actions, through our attitudes. 
Help us be just one life amongst the many, but a life that nonetheless has value because you have created us. So, Father, I, I pray that the power of one might be something that we capture. It's something that Paul wanted the church in Rome to understand. It's something he still wants us to understand today. So help us this week as we go about our business, as we go about our routines. Help us to acknowledge your presence and your goodness with us. and Help us in whatever way that means to be the bearer of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.